listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. A lot of people just don't understand what we're going through. And that is really why we do what we do, because the connection is so important that when you do make those connections, it is immediate and it is deep. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, you are in for a special treat this week because I have the moms from the Take Heart podcast with me, Amy J. Brown, Sarah Klein, and Carrie M. Holt. And today is a huge day for them as their new book, The Other Side of Special, officially releases. Now be sure to listen all the way to the end where you will hear more about how you might be able to win a free copy of their brand new book. You know, these ladies have such a heart for encouraging other moms and I know you're going to love getting to hear from them and know more about their book that released today. So here's the conversation that I had with Amy J. Brown, Sarah Klein, and Carrie M. Holt from the Take Heart podcast. All right, I am so excited to have the three of you on the show today. Uh, we've you've been each been on the show before, but now you're all back together, and so I'm excited for this conversation uh, to hear about your new project that we're going to delve into here in just a little bit. But welcome, friends. I'm glad to see you all. Thank you for having us. We're thrilled to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, you've all been on the show before and we will be sure to add links to all your episodes um, in the show notes, but tell us a little bit for people who may be new, tell us a little bit about you guys and your family and um, as we get started. So Amy, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Well, I am Amy J. Brown and I am a writer and a podcaster and a mentor to special needs moms. I am mom to six. Um, I have three biological kids and three adoptive kids. Um, When our adoptive kids came into our family, um, I had no idea that I would be a special needs mom. Um, They came into our family with some trauma. And so they have attachment disorder, um, fetal alcohol syndrome. um, And then one of our sons that we adopted from Bulgaria also has some physical disabilities. He has arthrogryposis and he is hearing impaired. So this whole process of becoming a special needs mom. I mean, nobody like expects it, but for me, it's the invisible disability that my Mm -hmm. children have that people don't see Mm -hmm. and learning about when we adopted, you know, we we didn't have any information that this could be a possibility. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are. And I live in Michigan. Yeah, that's me. That's awesome. So welcome. Welcome, Sarah. Tell us about you. Hi, I'm Sarah. I am married to my husband for 25 years and we were we actually met in high school and then we took a break. He would say that <laughs> I took a break, but um, <laughs> for it depends a while on who's then, telling the yeah. story, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, and we have two sons. Our oldest is in college right now. He's studying to be a minister and go in missions. And our youngest, TJ, is our child with disabilities. He is a senior in high school. He was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy at the age of eight. Um, it was a huge surprise for us. We put him in for some muscular, or sorry, he, we put him in physical therapy. He had an awkward gait and he just wasn't walking upstairs the way we thought he should be mm-hmm. walking up the stairs. He was just being stubborn and we put him in physical therapy. He ended up kind of really getting better and 
few months later, started to decline even worse and put them back in. And then that's where we -hmm. found that out. So yeah, it's been quite the ride. Yeah. Well, Carrie, tell us about you. So I'm Carrie M. Hull, and I am a speaker, an author, podcast host, and I like to say a hospital stay expert Mm. because that's how we were introduced into the world of special needs. I've been married to my husband 22 years. We are from Ohio. I have four kids that range in age from 19 to 13, three boys and a girl, and our third son was prenatally diagnosed with spina bifida hydrocephalus, and he became medically fragile when he was two weeks old. And we ended up coming home two months later with a trach vent and a G-tube. So mm-hmm. 16 years later, we have had 61 surgeries and have lost count of the times we've been in ambulances. And mm-hmm. I usually have a really good list, if anyone needs it, of those comfort <laughs> items that you need in the yeah, hospital. Mu- the must-haves. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it because you ladies also have a podcast that yes. I know a lot of our listeners listen to as well and enjoy. And so tell us about your podcast and what you share on your show. Who wants to share on that one? Carrie. So our podcast is Take Heart and we want to share joy, connection, and hope for our listeners. So I think along the journey, it can just become very lonely. And that's one of the things that we realized when we met is just that I think sometimes there's just a little bit of competition between special needs moms, or it's just extremely isolating of no one can understand what I'm going through, or, you know, my child doesn't have the same diagnosis as your child, or even if they are the same, our journeys are so different. And so that can just be very isolating. And so our podcast aims to encourage our listeners to take heart and have courage Mm -hmm. and what that looks like through Jesus and what that looks like through connection and joy and hope, and then also just practical ways of resting. And we try to give very helpful tips that have helped us along the way. So great. Um, I know so many of our listeners enjoy your show as well. In fact, some of the moms in my Wednesday community group were so excited to hear that I was having this conversation (laughs) with you guys today. So, you know, it's so interesting because you each one have such different backgrounds. Your stories are so different. You live in different parts of the country. And so, Amy, tell us how in the world did you guys meet in the first place and then decide, okay, yeah, let's let's create a podcast. Well, um, we joined a Hope Writers Mastermind um, in 2020. And our first meeting for the, there are maybe 30 people in the group. Our first meeting in person was March of 2020. We were going to fly out to California to meet. And so just like your first day of junior high when you don't know what you're going to wear and who you're going to sit by, <laughs> I called Sarah, asked questions like, what are you going to wear? And are you nervous about going? And we ended up having this long conversation about being special needs parents. And mm-hmm. the thing that really struck me in our conversation is I don't, Sarah's son has a completely different diagnosis than my kids, but I was just so shocked. Like she was saying words out of her mouth that I say out of my mm-hmm. mouth, the feelings of anxiety or guilt or all the things, the common ground I hadn't. Like Carrie said, sometimes there's this like, I'm this kind of mom or my kid has this diagnosis and we don't realize that we have universal feelings. And so we go to this meeting and we're getting taught. At that point, we all were going to write our own books. And then a younger mom, I'm the oldest of the three of us said, I don't think that your listener, I think your listener needs a podcast because she's a special needs mom and she doesn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of time to read. 
a lot of stuff. So mm. I made a beeline for Sarah and said, I think we need to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then we roped Carrie in. <laughs> so did you, how did y'all meet though? If you're all around the di- different parts of the country, how did because you even meet? We were in this mastermind together. So we would oh. be on like a Zoom call every every week. And so we, this was the first in-person meeting with okay. all the writers in this mastermind. And we happened to be the three special needs moms. And I remember we went out for hamburgers and fries and just could not stop talking about the things it. we had in common. And um, I did not expect that. Like I said, I, from my uh, experience as have, being a mother of ra- a reactive attachment disorder mm-hmm. kid, there's not a lot of people talking about that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know a lot of people that had the same kind of diagnosis. It was very lonely. And all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, these moms who have entirely different mm-hmm. experiences in me were very similar. And I have to say, they've learned from me, I know. And I've learned from them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that has been very, um, that has been very beneficial to what we talk Mm -hmm. to our listeners about. Yeah. Well, may I I add, it was such a, it was such a God thing because I remember going into this meeting, I really hadn't connected with anyone in the group yet. I mean, we had been having some virtual meetings up until this first in-person meeting, which was a week before the world shut down, Mm. by the way. And I remember thinking, I want to, I kind of wanted to cozy up to the other moms who didn't have kids with special needs (laughs) because sometimes that's just so much of your identity. Mm -hmm. And, but then all of a sudden, I remember I was talking to Amy, we were standing by the watering hole or something (laughs) like the the water cooler. And, and I just remember thinking, we have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. We have a lot in common. And then we, I talked to Sarah more later and yeah, it's, yeah. I, I love it. What were your what are your memories from that time, Sarah? I remember Carrie saying something about she her son was diagnosed prenatally. And she remembers say, somebody saying, Well, you know, at least if he's healthy, mm-hmm. or at least if the baby's healthy, mm-hmm. and how that was traumatic for her. Mm-hmm. And then I remember thinking. Amy adopted. So that was never something for her that that wasn't even an issue for her. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't pertain to some special needs moms. And then I remember thinking my son wasn't diagnosed till seven. And I was told in the delivery room, well, mom, you have a healthy baby boy. Mm -hmm. And I remember whenever I got that diagnosis at eight, I wanted to go back and I want (laughs) I wanted to strangle the doctor. I was so angry at the doctor. I was like, you lied. (laughs) I mean, but I do have a perfect baby boy. Like mm-hmm. I now that I know that and I'm into it, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so now I don't want, I don't want to punch the doctor anymore. Yeah. But yeah. initially I did. Yeah. But I remember Carrie saying something about that. And I thought, we each have that connection over that statement of healthy mm-hmm. baby boy, but we each have these emotions around it. Mm-hmm. And how many more caregivers, how many more moms and dads out there? have this hurt, have this pain around it, mm-hmm. that they don't have somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we had this platform that we could say, yeah, I wanted to throat punch a nurse. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted, to go, I wanted to go punch a nurse. I mean, and it's okay. And I know yeah. I'm Christian and I shouldn't say that, but there was a point whenever I wanted to go, you know, shake the right. doctor and say, stop saying that to moms mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's, it's okay if they're not a healthy baby, mm-hmm. bouncing little baby boy or girl. Right. Um, because eight years later, 
he's still perfect mm. and that's okay. You know, I, I think yeah. that was what stood out to me. Mm. And when Amy started talking about reactive attachment disorder and her children, as a ministry leader, we have a disability ministry in our church. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, so that's what, that's what little Joe has. When he throws a chair at me, I bet mm. you anything that's what he has. And nobody's yeah. told me that. Mm-hmm. So I went to the mom and I said, um, is this what little Joe has? And she's like, yeah, that's what little Joe has. <laughs> like, oh, so that's what it is. Yeah. And we are learning so much from each other. And I think it's beautiful because I know, I mean, even though you all are not in the same states, you have built a friendship and a bond mm-hmm. um, that's very obvious. And so how has that blessed you over these past few years, especially in the midst of a pandemic when things were shut down and, you know, you were still be able to communicate and build that friendship. How has that blessed you um, since you guys met? Well, I drove to Michigan. I just want to point out, I drove to Michigan when I probably shouldn't have been driving to Michigan during the pandemic. And I was like, please let there be bathrooms. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, for me, I, it's hard to, Think of a time I didn't know them. Mm. It, it's it's unreal that yeah. we have only known each other for a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think for me that is it. It goes to show you that the bond that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, we we say a lot of people just don't understand what we're going through, and that is really why we do what we do because mm-hmm. the connection is so important that when you do make those connections, it is immediate Mm -hmm. and it is deep when you find those connections. Yeah, absolutely. It's irreplaceable when somebody knows what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I can can tell an offhanded joke that probably most people don't get, (laughs) they don't look at me like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, okay, I get it. I get it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Carrie, what were you going to say? I think meeting at the stage of life that the three of us met kind of being a little further down the road in our journey has made us to understand what we want and need to out of friendship and what that might look like. And the things that I appreciate about Sarah and Amy is that there was no facade. Mm. There was no, I have to put up this front and and kind of sugarcoat what my life looks like. It was, I can be real. And we went deep fast. Mm-hmm. And and we have spent a lot of quality time together. I mean, through the last three years, we try to get away at least once a year and spend some time. I grew up in Michigan, so I love the lake. I'm a Michigander at heart and Amy lives in Michigan. And Sarah has learned to love the lake and the beach. <laughs> and... me over to their side. <laughs> <laughs> but we have spent just days together uh, connecting, working together. And I think just that common purpose of we want people to feel like they can come in, no matter what their child's diagnosis mm-hmm. is, they can come in and know that they are not alone. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I love when I see friend groups and just hearing their stories and you guys have got a very special bond. And what is, I mean, like, I'm super excited for you guys because today's a big day. Mm-hmm. Today is yes. a super big day for you guys. And in that it is 
book launch day for Yay. you all. I mean, seriously, this is a big deal. I've been, I remember our book launch day and what a big, exciting day it was. And it, it, funny story, when it was book launch day for us, we were trying to do, you know, the photo ops with our son and trying to get the, you know, the sweet photos with him and the picture of the of him holding the book with his picture on it. And he took the book and actually thought it would be fun to just throw the book. So that was our <laughs> book launch day. He launched the book by throwing it. So I hope that your book launch day has gone much more smoothly <laughs> than ours did. No, it was fun, but it's exciting. So congratulations yes. Thank you. Thank you. on the launch of your book. I know how much work that is. So tell us, Amy, tell us about the book and your heart behind wanting to write the book. What's the title and, and what's the book about? Well, I would love to tell you. I will tell you that I mess up the subtitle all the time. So <laughs> hey, I'm going to go. Yeah, there you go. Somebody bail her out if she gets stuck, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. It's called The Other Side of Special, Navigating the Messy, Emotional, and Joy-Filled Life of a Special Needs Mom. Did she get it right, girls? <laughs> she did. Ding, ding, good job. Okay, good. So the book, I'd love to tell you about the book a little bit. The book kind of comes out of this common idea that um, we're three unique women with three unique special needs um, experiences, but we have common emotions. So we want to take the reader on a journey from, you know, a ne maybe a, a negative emotion, moving towards a more positive emotion. And not like, oh, it's all tied up in a bow at the end and you're never going to be mad again. <laughs> but but mm -hmm. so when you, but the point is we wanted you to hear our perspective. So when you open the book, let's say you're struggling with anger, you're going to hear my take, Carrie's take and Sarah's mm -hmm. take. And we're hoping this will be an evergreen book that you can pick up any time. Um, and for me personally, you know, we we're talking earlier about the friendship. It was really important to me that my moms, the moms that have kids with invisible disabilities were represented because mm. when you have kids with behavioral issues, you are a silent person because yeah. you can't just tell everybody this is what's happening because mm -hmm. some behaviors are quite severe. Mm -hmm. And also you want to honor your child's privacy. So there's not a lot written from moms that have my perspective. Um, I didn't know anybody when I was bringing my children, when I was raising my children. So I love that you can come in and hear each one of our unique voices. And our goal is for moms to feel less alone mm -hmm. and encouraged and knowing that oh, it's okay to feel this way. And I don't have to like make it all better. I just like God works through all of this. And so that's kind of where we, so we co-wrote the book and um, it was a fun experience and it really comes out of our love and um, respect for the moms that we write and speak to, yeah. to know that we understand and we are there for them. So Sarah, what do you hope that um, your readers are going to learn and grasp from your book? For me personally, I hope that they understand that whatever they're feeling is okay. Mm -hmm. um, I It took me a long time to be okay with not being okay all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up Christian and I think I was struggling with a lot of emotions specifically towards God after diagnosis. And I felt not that I felt like I was pulling one over on him. I mean, he knew mm -hmm. how I, I felt, <laughs> right, right. Um, but I didn't feel like I should feel that way. I didn't feel like I should feel anger towards mm -hmm. him. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I should feel doubt. I should, I, I shouldn't doubt my faith um, because I, 
felt like I knew the Bible stories. Mm-hmm. I knew the verses. I knew where I quote unquote should be feeling. Right. Um, and I really started to doubt my faith and it took me on a, a really deep journey on that. Mm-hmm. And I think I want the readers to understand it's okay to be angry mm-hmm. and it will not, like Amy said, this is it, this book is not a how to, to get through it and just be like, yay, I'm a special needs mom and it's yeah. all just rainbows and it's mm-hmm. going to be okay. It's not a how to book. It's, it's basically of it's, you're going to feel these emotions. It's, it's going to be, it's cyclical. It's going to be, mm-hmm. you're going to have it. Um, but God can work through them. Um, and it's okay to feel how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, what do you hope readers gain from your book? So I, mine is similar to Sarah's, but I hope that our readers gain understanding that it's okay to live in tension. I think a lot of times we think tension is negative. And through writing the book and just understanding that emotions, they don't necessarily have to be either or. You know, you can hold grief and gratefulness. Mm-hmm. You can be angry about something and still also understand that God is with you in that anger and that he sees you in that anger. And so I really hope that our listeners can pick it up and that it's a resource that they overly can go to. We wrote it purposely. So you don't have to read it from cover to cover. You can say, you know what? I am feeling really lonely today mm-hmm. or I'm in the middle of a crisis. and I just need some gentle reminders and just, I, I see it almost like as grounding, you know, of going, oh, good. Somebody gets this mm-hmm. and these emotions are okay and they're messy and that's okay. Like Sarah said, it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. But yet in all of these emotions, God understands he created us this way. And in these emotions, there's hope. Mm-hmm. There's always hope. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so good. Well, I can't wait to read it. So thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm excited that it's coming out today. Again, that's so exciting. And you know, all of us are caregivers. We personally know how tiring and how exhausting and how overwhelming that this can be. But Amy, what would you say are some tips you would give parents who are listening? for ways that they can cope and try to deal with the stress and deal with the burnout. I know you deal with a lot of behavior issues. And so that brings a whole different kind of layer of stress. I mean, it's stress is stress, but, you know, yours is coming more from behavior. I know, you know, Sarah, yours is more medical. So how do you recommend that people deal, families who are impacted with disabilities, deal with the stress that comes along with this life? Well, that's a great question, and it's an ever-evolving answer for me, mm-hmm. and I've been a mom for 30 years. Um, in speaking to listeners who have kids with behavioral issues, one of the—you never know when it's going to hit, right? Like, you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, you may have days and days where everything's fine, and then you get a call from the school, or there's a raging situation or whatever. So, I guess for me, I have really learned that my ability— to worry about everything from what's going to happen tomorrow till 15 years down the road has never served me well. Mm. Um, It's exhausting. And um, it's, I understand why moms do that. You know, your, your therapist, you need a new therapist. So, oh my gosh, I need to figure it out. And so, 
And so you just keep going down what I call borrowing trouble. You just keep going mm-hmm. down that path yeah. of worrying about the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And that really has been kind of a stronghold on me, on my brain and my ability to function when I'm just so worried about the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one practice for me is very much being intentional about present moment living. And I know I kind of roll my eyes at my own self because it's hard to do, <laughs> but I have had to learn to open my palms to God and mm-hmm. say, okay, God, what do you want me to hold my hands today? Mm-hmm. And I have a practice I do every morning. I write everything down. I take like 15 minutes. I write everything I'm worried about, which some things, if you read of you'd be like, why in the world is she worried about mm-hmm. this thing? And then I just kind of have some silence and I look at it and go, okay, this is what God Beautiful. wants me to hold today. Yeah. And that has been very helpful because mm-hmm. with kids with behavioral issues, I have a lot of moms say to me, I don't know what it's going to be. Are they going to end up in jail? Are they going to, like, these moms have these, and they're so caught up in, what are we going to be when they're a teenager or an adult? Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, we have to stay present in today and and trust God to give us what we need for today. And also be grateful for what today is. Because you're just going to wear yourself into a exhausted mess if you're always saying the what ifs. Mm. And so that that has probably been the most helpful thing in a just super practical um, down-to-earth kind of practice yeah. for me. I mean, obviously we need to rest and all the things, but I found that I'm more, exa- I, my brain exhausts me mm-hmm. more than my physical yeah. stuff I do. So. Yes, I, that's a, that's great. I love that. And Sarah, what do you do? I find mine's pretty similar to Amy's. My my son's diagnosis is degenerative. And his, so his is fatal. And just over time, his body just degenerates. So um, I have to stay present. I found very early on, you know, they told us he has a life expectancy of 23. And I remember thinking, that's not enough time. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And I remember thinking, if I constantly wait for that death, I'm not going to live with them. Mm -hmm. And so I had to just stay present and, and do that. And now... Amy and Carrie are going to laugh, but he's he's on the spectrum. And so we're in a mom, can you straighten my blankets? Mom, can you straighten my blankets? And it's only <laughs> I'm the only one that can straighten the blankets. And I tell the girls all the time, I'm like, I have to go straighten the blankets. <laughs> so, and it's a certain way. Dad can't do it. Dad will, dad's perfectly capable of it. And he tries all the time. So when other people, like my mother-in-law, is like, let me, let me watch him tonight. Let me, let me come over and hang mm-hmm. with him tonight. He's 19, so we don't babysit, we hang. Right. So um, I need to make sure that that's correct. But um, you know, let me come over and hang out with him. You guys go on date night. I will worry about, mm-hmm. well, is she going to put the apple slices in the glass bowl instead of the plastic bowl? Because the plastic bowl is going to freak <laughs> him out. You know, like all those little mm-hmm. things that those little quirks that he has yeah. that really stress him out. Mm-hmm. Or is she, she going to straighten the blankets right? Is she going to get the pillowcases on the right side? Is You know, the, all of these things that he has to have just so that mm-hmm. I know. And then I have to let those go. Yeah. Because she can handle those. Mm-hmm. She can say I'm sorry, I will go get the glass bowl. She's perfectly capable of navigating those mm-hmm. little landmines. Um, and I've I've come to terms with that. So mm-hmm. I just have to stay present in the moment and let other people be capable of handling it mm-hmm. uh, and realizing that I'm not the end all, beat all of caregiving. Yeah, but we all think we are. I mean, that's the thing. That's that, that so yeah. hard to let go of because, right. you, know, it, you know, we know our kids. And so... Mm-hmm. But learning, because you you will not live life, you know, we won't live life if we're trying to hold on. 
so tightly. Yeah. yeah. Carrie, what about you? Just, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. No, no. You just, I think part of it is you don't want to be a burden on other people. It's absolutely. Right. And yeah. I think that's more than, it's not so much that I think that I'm the only one that can do it. I just know I don't, I want to make it easier on other people. Mm, yeah. Um, and I need to realize that they want to help and that's not a big deal to them. Yeah. So I need to just let yeah, that go. That's truth. Yeah. Truth right there. <laughs> yeah. Carrie, what about you? I think along those lines, it's releasing. Um, and and this far into the journey and with all of the medical trauma that we've been through with our son, there are days that I feel extremely guilty because I might have a friend going through cancer treatment and I just can't make her a meal. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I just can't serve on that committee at church. And the three of us are very similarly wired and that, you know, we're kind of get out there, get it done. Even if it's painful, you just, you just rise up and you do it anyway. And I think I've learned to understand as a caregiver that I have got to give myself space and boundaries Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. And along those lines is that it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. We've had home, we've had home nursing in our home since we brought our son home when he was three months old in 2007. And there are days that that's really hard because I've been parenting in front of an audience Mm -hmm. for 16 years (laughs) and days that that's really helpful. And, but Thankfully, it has allowed me to have a little bit more space, but I also have to kind of do the same thing. I have to to let things go, but I guess I'm kind of talking in circles, but I think it's just back to letting go of that guilt because Mm -hmm. there's just this part of me that feels like I'm a caregiver by nature. I have a very empathetic, I've always been the way I always wanted to be a mom. I was always taking care of everybody. I'm the oldest child and all that kind of stuff. And I feel so much guilt sometimes over not Mm. being able to do it all. And I think releasing that to God and letting him strengthen me Mm -hmm. and letting him say, it's okay. And just finding that balance between like, what is my own like laziness? I just don't want to do this because I'm just being, or what is, this is really just the extent of, I can't take care of this anymore. Yeah. Knowing, knowing what to say yes to and what's okay to let go and all those those hard mm-hmm. decisions that we have to make um, yeah. on this this journey. You know, I, I know so often I, I look back to my life before my son was born. And, you know, I had these dreams of what I thought my life was going to look like. And my plans were perfect, of course, you know, because <laughs> they were my plans. But God had a much different and better plan. So how have you seen that God's plans for you and your life and your families are actually better than maybe what you had dreamed of? I have been thinking a lot about this lately because just in recent months, some of the realities of my son's diagnosis that are ongoing that we hoped would get better are are not getting better mm-hmm. and they probably won't throughout his life. And I know myself and my personality, I'm a control freak and kind of similar to what you were saying, like I had these dreams and expectations for my family and what that family was going to look like. And I think a lot of times the Lord, well, I know the Lord knew me so well Mm -hmm. and knew that if there wasn't something in my life 
that would cause me to depend on him more and trust him more and that I probably would have just gone my own way mm. and done it my way and just forgotten about him. And and that's not to say he couldn't have used something else to bring me back, but having our son and some days that's easy and some days that's really hard. Some days mm. it's really frustrating, you know, because I just want to be able to fix it and make mm. it better. And I, you know, I don't want to deal with the medical complexities and everything. Mm. And some of the things I specifically prayed for not to happen happened. And so that there's that struggle of that. But for me, I it it also is just such a blessing that I have realized recently that if it were not for my son's diagnosis, I would not know Sarah mm, and Amy. Right. Or you, yeah. Becky, and have these yeah. godly conversations. My friend in Indiana that I met online, I, I wouldn't have these rich, deep mm-hmm friendships in my life if it weren't for right. spina bifida. Yeah. And that's that's pretty incredible if you think about it. Yeah. Amy, what about you? Well, I was thinking about this question and, you know, when you adopt, at least my kids are, let's see, 19, 20, 20, 19, and 17. So I think there's more conversation around trauma now with adoption. Mm-hmm. But when you adopt, you just have, I, I just had this idea. I'm, I'm a good mom. I have three other kids that are doing great. I'm just going to love these kids whole. Mm-hmm. And I had no um, conception of attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. And it's been very challenging and not at all like I thought it would look like. And people have said to me, knowing what you know, would you adopt again? Well, that's first of all, not a fair question, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like, half, mm-hmm. we wouldn't do half the stuff we said right. like, if we knew what was ahead for us. Yeah. But one of the things that is very difficult about being a mom of a kid with attachment disorder is you are constantly being rejected by that child. Mm-hmm. And that's a really painful and tender place to be. And one day I was on a walk. This has been about seven years ago. And I was crying and mad and like, why God, we opened our home up and why is this happening? And let me just back up. Like The the language around attachment is they reject the nurturing caregiver, the person. Mm -hmm. It's usually the mom. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God said, sometimes you have attachment with me. Mm. I'm your nurturing caregiver and you're doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I mean, I love the Lord and I want to do the right thing, but man, do I want to go off on my own way a lot. And so this is not what I expected. It's been challenging, but each day that conversation comes to my mind Mm. and it's given me a heart for, and my whole family, a heart when we see a child acting out somewhere they don't, we don't judge. We're like, you know, this kid's probably come from some trauma or had some issues. Mm-hmm. It's also given me a heart for moms who walk into this experience, not realizing mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. And it's just kind of given me kind of a radar for wounded, mm-hmm. the wounded people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's been good. Mm-hmm. And that's been a lesson that comes back to me, especially when I'm frustrated and mm-hmm. hurt by yeah. rejection yeah. that, you kind of act that way sometimes with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's kind of where I feel like the Lord is really keeping my heart tender mm-hmm. um, in those situations. So, yeah. Sarah, what about you? I see the impact my son makes on his peers. So he has, um, he was the first, his class was the first freshman class in a new high school in our, in our community. And he, our family is huge soccer fans. My husband coaches and my oldest son played for years. And so my youngest son wanted to be a part of the team in any way he could. And so he was the team manager 
and now they're seniors. Mm. And so he's the only team manager, you know, he's the team manager for the, the first team manager for all four years. And at the end of the season, one of the, the senior captain went to the coach and said, we want to leave a legacy for TJ, my mm. son. And so he said, can we have, we want to establish the TJ Climb Player of the Year Award from here forward. And so the boosters and the coaches, <laughs> the coach called my husband and said, would this be okay with you? And my husband was like, so two grown men could barely get through the conversation mm. reading this email from this senior, this other senior. Um, and they listed the attributes of what this player, the players from here forward would have to have. Mm. And just seeing what TJ has made the impact on these other kids mm. um, is phenomenal. And I think, you know, you can go through and say, oh, every day's a gift. And, you know, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden your children are grown. Mm. And I think the gift for us is that we truly understand mm -hmm. that every day is a gift. Yeah. We we face that every day. Um, we really have, have no idea. We've we have friends of ours with our their children are, have the same diagnosis that within the last six months, we have one gentleman who lost a son who's in his 40s, and we have another family that lost their their child who is nine years old. Mm. So the spectrum is so mm. vast. You just, you have no idea how this disease is going to progress. Mm. And so we're just like, we just are going to live it the way we want to live it. Yeah. And I think that in retrospect, it's been a tr true blessing. Yeah. Um, so it's just been such a, such a joy to be, to watch how my son, my son will sit there and say, ma'am, this boy, he broke his leg at school and he has to, <laughs> my son's in a scooter at school. He's like, he has one of those little things that you have to put your leg up yeah. on and he's in so much pain. I just hate it for him. Like he has no idea that yeah. he knows about his disease, mm -hmm. but he always is so empathetic for other, other people. people. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Well, as we close out, I want to ask each of you, what are ways that you rise above your circumstances and find joy in your story? Carrie, I'm going to start with you. So I was thinking about that question, and this is going to sound kind of strange, but I think one of the keys to my joy has been lament mm -hmm. yeah, and understanding that lament is mm -hmm. worship mm -hmm. because it draws us into a closer intimacy with God when we can cry out to Him mm -hmm. and express all of the feelings of disappointment and grief and anger and sorrow and fear, and for Him to come in and meet us there and say, I'm here and Jesus felt all these things. I, I think that's just been so key is that when you watch the path of Jesus to the cross and the lament he felt and, and the weeping that he did with his friends and, uh, but that God meets us in those places. Mm -hmm. And so, and joy comes from that because it builds just this deeper intimacy and trust with God. And so allowing myself to not just uh, cover up the grief and act like we're okay and move on, but to be willing to just be honest with God and others and sharing that story, sharing our stories mm -hmm. with others to say, you know what, this is not okay, yeah. but I know that God is with me in this mm -hmm. and not ever, not that everything is ever always perfect and beautiful, but he does create beauty mm -hmm. out of the ashes. Yeah. Sarah. I keep in mind how far 
we've come from the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Each year, there's more joy to our story. Mm. And I think if I keep that in mind, I would never have imagined the joy that I could feel in our story now, mm. as opposed to when we had that diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I would never have believed that I would want to find and hug the doctor now, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to want to punch him. Um, and I think it, as long as I remember that there is so much life in this terminal diagnosis mm. that we have. Yeah. Um, that we have found more life in that than mm -hmm. we could have ever imagined yeah. that there's, there's a lot of joy there. And I never would have imagined that mm -hmm. beforehand. So I cannot even begin to imagine where we could be 10 years from now. Yeah. yeah. And there's joy in that. There's joy in the unknown. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind that this is God's story and I don't mm -hmm. have that final chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as I know that I can mm -hmm. find joy in that. Yeah. Yeah. Amy closes out. I would say that one of the ways that I find joy is by paying attention, um, paying attention to the gifts. And for me as a writer, I just write in my on my calendar, in my journal. But once I started paying attention to not just the big, like great answers to prayer, but the little small beauties and joys of the day, those are kind of like little sips of grace that get me through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's been really important for me, especially with six children. And you're thinking, okay, I got three kids with special needs and three that don't. And have I, you know, a lot of times I would look at the glass half empty, like, oh, I've ignored these other kids. But mm -hmm. then when I go back, I go, oh, life was happening and has been happening yeah. and joy has been happening. And I've managed, I don't write like big lengthy. I just notice it. Mm -hmm. And the more I get into that practice, yes. the more I just see the grace and beauty mm -hmm. of life. Yeah. And that, that brings me joy. Um, and that kind of helps with that, what's going to happen next year, 10 years down yeah. the road. So that has been a pretty um, consistent practice of mm -hmm. mine. And I can continue to really believe that God sees us and knows us and loves us in every single mm -hmm. circumstance and moment of our day. And to keep track of that has yeah. been lovely. Life-giving. Yes, I agree. Finding the gratitude, finding the things where God is showing up, it, it's what keeps me going on those really, really hard, long days. And friends, I can't thank you enough for giving of your time today. Again, I'm so excited for you all. I know thank it's a you. big day for you and thank we just you. congratulate you. Now, someone, Carrie, tell us where people can find the book because that's an important thing. And wait a minute, tell that. And then we have something special. So go ahead and tell that and then we'll tell our surprise. Yeah, so you can find the book on Amazon and all major re retailers, uh, Baker Bookhouse, Christian Book. You can find more about the book at our website at takeourspecialmoms.com. And you have been gracious enough to offer a book for us to do as a giveaway. So be yeah. sure to go to Rising Above Social Media Platforms um, today, and we will have giveaway information there posted, and you can find out how you can possibly win a book from the Take Heart Moms. So friends, thank you so much for being here. We are grateful thank for you. you. And again, thank congratulations. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app if you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. 
And remember, joy can be found in every story.